Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rain Delay Theater. My name is Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And as you may have guessed from the title of this podcast, Jeremy and I are going to be talking about baseball. We are two avid baseball fans, avid scorekeepers, and we go to a lot of games. That's right. And, um, you know, I think, like, we have uh, an extra sense for, for what's going on around us. And, you know, we both come from, like, comedic backgrounds and everything. And so, you know, I, I, I think we, 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 uh, we're aware of, like, some of the extra stuff that are going on, not only in the game, but uh, in the stands as well. And so we thought that uh, we could bring you some recaps of games that uh, would be interesting and maybe you wouldn't find anywhere else. And the first game we went to was... Uh Saturday night, April 21st, 2018, it was at Guaranteed Rate Field. It was the Chicago White Sox versus the Houston Astros in a 6.05 p.m. start time. And we'll be, we'll be talking about uh, all of the details that game, all of the things we noticed and uh, the goings-on. But before we get to that, uh, let's, let's, go, uh, let's just go around the horn a little bit, if you will, and talk about some general baseball news that interested us in the last week. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's we could probably do a whole podcast on just that, but uh, we'll we'll kind of condense this uh, to the beginning, and then we'll get to the meat of the podcast, which was the uh, the actual in person experience. Um, so the first thing that um, I thought of was um, there were a lot of uh, at bats, lengthy pitch at bats, right this uh, this weekend. Um, so Jack, you were talking about. Uh, Jesus Aguilar? Yeah, yeah, I was I was talking about Aguilar, but actually before we get into that, one of the things that Jeremy and I have uh, an idea we've sort of been bandying about, uh, you know, in the last year or two is just uh, we wanted to know if anybody actually keeps statistics of uh, like the longer a pit and at bat goes, the more pitches a batter sees, what is the result of that at bat? Um, we think it's really interesting. Uh, you know, usually it seems like uh, once a hitter has seen 12 or 13 pitches, he almost always gets a hit or a walk. Uh, but yeah. uh, the what what really stuck out to me was uh, I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan, and uh, so on Saturday, uh, Jesus Aguilar actually hit a uh, home run, a walk off home run, on a uh, 13 pitch at bat off of Junichi Tozawa. Uh, he hit it to deep right field. Uh, I it, it was a no doubter, and uh, that was a 13 pitch at bat. That was the longest at bat to result in a walk-off homer in 21 years, since 1997. Uh, Garrett Anderson, you remember him? He did it back for the uh, the Angels back in 1997. So it's been a while, and it was a great result for the Brewers. I was uh, keeping uh, watching the uh, scoreboard that whole game uh, when we were at U.S. Cellular right, Field, and it certainly did look like the Brewers were going to lose that game. Uh, and lo and behold, I looked up, uh, and it set a final of 6-5 to five Brewers, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, you know... Um yeah, we were, that happened while we were at the game. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's, we have talked about that. And that's one of those stats where, like, you think, like, you know, how can we, how can some, someone track all that down, you know? Like, um, I know that there's some pretty sophisticated, like, number crunching things out there. But uh, that's that seems like a tough one. Or, like, you know, so we wanted to see, like, how many resulted in homers, how many resulted in hits. And just, like, I, I, was, also, I was also thinking, like, just finding out, like, a slugging percentage uh, on, like, uh outcomes of of like you know 10 12 plus pitch at bats um but uh yeah so that's an interesting stat that's that's pretty mind blowing actually like since uh since that, what 97 you said yeah 97 21 <clears throat> years since a, a walk off home run has Crazy. been hit after that many pitches and actually uh you know f- uh funnily enough um yeah. uh the major league record i believe was set by Brandon Belt for pitches seen in an individual yeah. at bat it's one of those it's you know it's a baseball cliche where it's like you know you see or just in general, like you see one thing that's like out of the ordinary and then like, 
you haven't seen it in like years and then like two days later something else happens like similar to that so then the next day yesterday uh, on Sunday we're recording this on Monday um, <clears throat> Brandon Belt had a 21 pitch at bat and they said that that was the record like the previous record was 20 pitches so he set the record for like the longest pitch at bat you know I did not see that at bat uh, I guess my two questions are uh uh, a was it uh, off of uh, off of a reliever? Uh, well, actually, yeah. So I didn't see the at bat. So just kind of was yeah. there a brief rundown it, of what that at bat? I was believe like? it was in the first inning. Um, it was off of a, a rookie pitcher for the Angels, mm-hmm. uh, Jaime Berea. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I I watched it. I watched it in short form because it was like it took 13 minutes. I think the whole oh, at bat. Oh my goodness! And wow. so it was a 21 pitch at bat, right? So like it drove up his uh, his pitch count. Um, he ended up flying out to right field, um, but uh, yeah, they in the MLB dot com has a nice uh, recap of it, and it's all short form and, and like so you see the pitches, and then they they play in the MLB dot com does a good job of uh, um, editing in like other feeds, like announcer feeds. So um, yeah, they were they were all aware of it, and like they were starting to keep track of it at like pitch like. 16 17 and then like so you know once it climbed to 21 it was they were just kind of beside themselves it's pretty crazy well i'm guessing that uh uh well that that 21 pitches is a lot of lot of pitches for a, a guy who probably wasn't going to be allowed to go more than 100 under uh the best of circumstances uh yeah. but uh you know when, whenever jeremy and i are watching a game one of the things i like to look at is uh, a pitch count for pitchers i really like to see complete games it's it's kind of a rarity and uh you know when a pitcher has is only throwing about 10 pitches per inning uh it seems like he might have a chance at a pl- complete game and actually there was on saturday night a, a quite remarkable complete game from uh an oakland days pitcher yeah sean Manaya uh threw a no hitter um uh, that's a little bonus for me because I have him on my fantasy team. But uh, yeah, so I got to see the very well. Actually, no, I caught it right at the end, like right in the aftermath. Um, it was yeah, it was funny because I was checking my fantasy team and I saw that he had gone through seven, and I kind of I guess I just assumed that he was out of the game or whatever. Um, and then I just yeah, I saw these uh, alerts that he threw the no hitter, so that was pretty cool. My <laughs> it's, this is not a. Um, fundamental observation about Sean Manea. It's just mm. that uh, Sean Manea, I. He's he, I feel I always thought he was a Hawaiian guy or he was from Hawaii, and it turns out he's from Indiana. Oh, okay. it's just like the it's just like the opposite. Like he seems like I don't know maybe he has like uh, Samoan roots or something. But, <laughs> and like also like Hawaiian isn't <laughs> I don't know Hawaiian isn't a nationality right? It's like it's just a I don't know. I it must be some sort of like mixture of like. Uh, Pacific Islander culture or something. Yeah, that that I, I don't know. Um, I do yeah. know that it was thrown in. It was thrown in Oakland, right? So it was. It was. Did he throw it in Oakland? So I. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was correct, as Jeremy and I were texting about this. Uh, that oh, Dallas yeah. Braden was the last Oakland A to to throw yeah, a no hitter. Don't I don't have confirmation on uh-huh. that. We need an intern to look that up. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I I think so. I mean, I I can't think of anyone else. With uh, with all the fall territory in Oakland, uh, it's almost surprising that more uh, you know more no hitters aren't thrown there it seems like an ideal pitcher's park yeah yeah i don't you know um i'm just trying to think they they number one he he did that thing where he said that he didn't know that he had the no hitter going which uh-huh. I, i'm always skeptical of when guys say that yeah I, I mean well heck with nobody mentioning it to him him in the dugout i'm sure maybe he didn't but he's gotta know he's gotta know you would think so it. 
However, I do think like it seems like some of these players are best when they're not thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and aren't aren't we all at what we what we want to be good at? Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, there there was an error earlier on in the game, um, and I guess he said that he thought that they called it a hit. Ah, um, okay. I think Marcus Simeon like had one go off of his mitt, and uh, he thought that they called it an error. So then in the eighth inning, he realized that he still had the no hitter. Wow. But, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, you know, good for him. Um, mm-hmm. first one of the season. Um, I have another observation about, uh, Carlos Gomez, uh, the, uh, walk-off for, uh, uh, Tampa Bay. Um, did you, you, you said you didn't see it? No, I, uh, I, I saw, <laughs> I, I saw there were highlights about it on ESPN, but I yeah. just, I, I didn't, there, there was no sound on that TV, what? so I didn't see it. So he, I think in a previous at-bat, he, um... Yeah, he struck out or something like that, and he broke the bat over his knee, okay. which like is, <laughs> I think Bo Jackson's the only one who can get away with that. <laughs> Everyone else who's done it since then is like, come on, man, you're not Bo. Uh-huh. You know? um, so uh, he did that like in his previous at bat, and then the last at bat he walked it off, and like, yeah, I, you know, they talk about, um, you know, I am of the school, the belief of like, it's kind of tired, like this, like a guy like watches a homer, like we're gonna we're gonna throw at his head or whatever, like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty lame. It's like. A good way to, to, to stop that is to not give up the home run. That's, right. That's my thought process in that. Um, but if there were ever a guy who probably should get plunked because of his reaction, Carlos Gomez was, like, nuts. Like, he he hit the ball. He turned. He His he's, his whole body was turned away from the pitcher. And he, looked, he did look at his own dugout. And he made some kind of, like, motion, like, to the dugout after he hit it. Uh, and then he circled the bases, and he was just going nuts. And then he did the Ray Lewis, like, that, like, kind of shimmy shake thing. Um, like, like about three-quarters of the way to home plate. So yeah. he stopped. He did the whole thing. And then he, like, you know, went in home plate, and they, they, they threw water on him. And it was, you know, they celebrated. But it was... It was wild for, especially for a guy like Carlos Gomez. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're saying it's wild uh, for Carlos Gomez, it's got to be really wild. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that that does sound a little uh, a little over the top. I one thing I think that might be kind of going going into that is that he's been kind of uh, off the radar for a few years. I mean, he's yeah. been playing, but he just hasn't really done anything. So the, maybe that was just the frustration of the last couple of years coming to a head. See, now speaking of baseball players thinking, I'm wondering. I, I wonder if he has that 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 perspective enough to think like man i was once a thing and now i'm off the radar and like this is my big uh you know announcement back he is on the raise by them but like i think maybe we're the only ones who saw it you know like, well, only one of us saw it here and we have a baseball podcast so um so that's an indication you can do that uh, you can multiply that mm-hmm. um so so that's what uh you know those were a couple of things um that's like as far as in-game stuff i wanted to talk about um there's a couple of uniform things uh, that I wanted to bring up, um, mm-hmm. if you're uh, yeah. ready to move to that. Yeah. So, well, speaking of the Rays, um, so I uh, I do I do like the Rays uh, as a franchise. I, I kind of like, you know, it's probably just their underdog uh, mentality or, uh, or reputation. But um, I do have um, I I you know I've been trying to I've been buying more hats in in recent years, and uh, I bought. Um, a like ninety eight style Rays cap. I actually mm-hmm. got an extra one. I gave to you. Yeah, I um, am the like the. I think I gave you the home version, and I have the road version. Sure. Um, but uh, there, it's what the twenty twentieth anniversary, twenty fifth anniversary. Uh, well, I think it'd be twentieth. The twentieth, yeah. They yeah. came in ninety eight. Yeah. So, so they're wearing. Um, it seems like they're only wearing a throwback hat 
on like certain days they're mm-hmm. not wearing the whole uniform mm-hmm. um but it has that old ray logo and it's pretty cool and it has like a 20th anniversary uh patch on the side okay so like i just bought this other one but i'm like i feel like i gotta plunk down the money to get this new one yeah that was a that was a cool logo i actually went um, me and my family went to a rays game uh, uh right around when the rays debuted i can't i think it was it was not their first season but uh you know they were wearing those hats at the time and that's where my dad caught the foul ball off the bat of royce clayton yeah so, that's awesome yeah yeah um but yeah i i agree i like that logo too um you know them and the diamondbacks it's their 20th anniversary uh you know part of me wonders is it a little too soon to be having throwbacks for these teams that have only been around two decades but uh you know they have had a, a lot of different incarnations of their uniforms uh you know yeah over the years and the d-backs have been wearing those like purple vest ones you mm-hmm. know um <clears throat> they've been wearing those um you know I, I whatever friday nights or whatever yeah um uh but the rays you haven't really haven't been doing that but uh so anyway i, I like the hat i think it's cool mm-hmm. um it was kind of a pain to find the old one and i wish i would have held out a year or whatever. sure but yeah uh, um another hat that i'm looking to pick up is the twins uh one like i've been wanting to get a twins hat and they have the uh, puerto rico series hats now um so it has like the cool like puerto rico patch on it yeah or so that was cool i thought those those games were awesome um i i kind of hope they keep doing that every year i thought mm-hmm. it was really cool yeah um it's like the stadium holds less than 20,000 people. It's pretty crazy. That's like when they uh, they played that game last year, the Marlins did, at the, uh, was it at the uh, the military base? Um, yeah, Where it Fort only Bragg. held a couple thousand. Yeah. And then that, that guy who caught those foul balls, like, <laughs> still made his way into the park he, somehow, he did, didn't he? He got, that, that was, um, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where his uh, level is with, with the fans, but, uh, uh-huh. well, I do know where it is, but I, that <laughs> might have been one of the bigger, like, straws that broke the the camel's back mm-hmm. uh, like he got a lot of flack on ebay or on ebay on uh, twitter about that and uh uh he's very defiant yet still in the face of all the <laughs> scrutiny <laughs> so um i don't know it's that kind of perseverance that gets him those balls i mm-hmm. guess um uh throwbacks to go back to throwbacks really quick the phillies have been wearing their 80s uh road throwbacks i I really like the look of that yeah i saw um a picture of jake arietta um wearing one and i was it was actually on um a tops now baseball card which uh we can get into at some point but Mm -hmm. uh, i was thinking about buying it and i was i was like i was i was literally like taken by i was like oh yeah like i like i like and i like you know clutched my pearls or whatever but uh um it was uh those those uniforms are so cool um yeah. They, they are, and you know, I uh, I think Jeremy and I can both agree agree on this. But like baseball hats are, are really cool, and you know, now even on the street, when I'll see someone with what looks like a, a pro fitted hat, I, I want to admire it, no matter what team it is, and just just say to that person, hey, that's a cool hat, because a hat a hat is a big investment. Yeah. I mean, it's like almost forty bucks to buy a new era, um, who I think has the contract now, like a new era nice fitted hat, and uh, I just kind of mark out over them, uh, if you will, to use a, a wrestling term. Yeah. I, uh, I I, I love them. So it's uh, Jeremy and I actually both own Expos hats. We own nice fitted Expos hats. We do. And uh, yeah, you know, Jack, you brought up uh, at some point uh, like this Expos phenomenon. Like, well, I think like there's no other way um, to like show you're like a true baseball geek than uh, getting an Expos hat. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, <clears throat> so we both we both have Expos hats, and we've both like gotten compliments. You you talked about a couple times you've gotten compliments for years. Right? Yeah, I've gotten compliments at at games. Uh, I you, I will almost inevitably get one uh, every time I go to a game with an Expos hat on. Yeah. But I've I've even gotten comments when I've worn it on the street. Like I was I was waiting to cross the street uh, in Old Town one time, okay. and like some guy was just biking past me, and he's like Expos, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, nice. nice. 
Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was getting off the brown line today, and uh, the CTA guy was hanging out out front, and like I was, I was plugged into my headphones and everything, and like he looked at me and he he said I was like taking my he- I could tell he was looking he was talking to me, so I took my headphone out and I heard him say like all right i like the expo's hat and like i was like you know it, it takes you a second to realize what's going on and so i'm like i'm like oh thanks man and like i kept walking i felt bad I felt, i'm like damn darn it i should have went back and talked to that guy like you know he probably wanted to talk baseball a little bit but uh, yeah right you know i actually yeah. don't get why the nationals maybe maybe this is coming but i don't think they've ever worn expo's jerseys for throwback jerseys yeah exactly no i don't know i don't i don't recall them doing that they oh. should though. Yes, yeah, they should. Um, okay, so uh, so I think that's uh, 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 enough for the preliminary baseball stuff. I think we've covered every everything we wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's all. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's move out of the actual game. So the game took place, uh, as I said, on the twenty first of April, twenty eighteen. Uh, it was a six oh five p.m. start time, and it was chilly that night, Jeremy. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty rough. It wasn't that well. Okay, so we went uh, earlier. Um, we had to get you know we had to get ready for uh, for this uh, big recording. So we we had to get in a, a practice game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went uh, to the Cubs uh, Cardinals on was that Tuesday? Yeah, that was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, and that was quite brutal. That might have been the coldest I've ever been at a game. I think the game time temperature at start for that Tuesday Cubs game that was about thirty eight degrees. Yeah, um, and it dropped uh, significantly as the game went on. Yeah, that was pretty rough. And so um, this game Saturday night wasn't as bad, Mm-mm. but um, once we got into the seats, there was like this breeze blowing like off of the concourse, um, and uh, that made it a little little rougher. But then, and you know, and I was. We would have maybe tried to move somewhere else, but uh, it did die down kind of a couple innings in, I think. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I think that, um, you know, we, we were dressed we were dressed appropriately, but, you know, also uh, to, to aid fans, perhaps, uh, in keeping warm, the White Sox did a, a giveaway promotion. Uh, they, they gave away a uh, free pullover, so Jeremy and I were, were able to get that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a sharp-looking, uh, sharp-looking pullover. I think one of the only uh, uh, detriments is that it says guaranteed rate on one of the <laughs> sleeves, which I don't really like. Right. Yeah, um, that's that's such as the uh, the drawback of the special giveaway. Right. Um, SGA, if you will. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the White Sox do usually have very very good giveaways. Well, Jeremy and I got the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock when oh, yeah. they gave that away last year. Uh, you know, every uh, TWTW. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I don't think the alarm clock says that. No, uh, they left that one out. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, also, they do uh, free uh, T-shirt Thursdays, and actually, usually the T-shirts are pretty cool. Uh, I, I have a couple of them. Jeremy and I have gone on nights, and there's T-shirts I wear to go work out or just down the street or whatever. They're yeah. pretty nice. It's, it's interesting. So they, um, so in terms of the sizes, it's weird because, like, you know, obviously you can't please everyone. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, okay, so the size, like, their their general sizes that they have available are medium and extra large. Mm-hmm. I, I would almost guess that, like. I don't know. You know, maybe medium and large would be a good... Yeah, well, here's the know. thing, Jeremy. So for me, it, it felt like... Um, so I'm from Wisconsin, um, hence the Brewers love uh, before. And uh, uh, for me, it, so, so okay, so to break it down, first of all, they had medium and XL. And by the time Jeremy and I got there, which was an hour before game time, so probably maybe a half hour we're after the gates opened. We were in those gates opened. pretty early. Yeah, we were, we were in those gates early. We're not sure exactly when the gates opened, but we were there pretty early. And by yeah. the time we got there, they were all out of mediums, and they only had extra large. And it wasn't like they were almost running out of the pullovers. They had boxes and boxes of XLs. So we were left wondering, well, how many mediums did they even order who dropped the ball here? 
I call conspiracy. Uh, well, he, uh, so here's here's what here's what it felt like for me. So uh, being from Wisconsin, it felt like uh, shopping at Kohl's in Wisconsin for me <laughs> because f- for the most part at Kohl's. Uh, so Wisconsin is, uh, you know, I, I didn't look up the exact statistics, but I, I believe it's one of the fattest states in the United <laughs> States. And yeah. so at, at when you go to Kohl's, it's really hard to find uh, uh, clothes in like medium and small uh, because they, I guess, they just either people snap them up like at the White Sox game or they just don't order a lot of them because they know a lot of their consumers aren't going to be buying those sizes and so that uh that's kind of what it kind of what it felt like for me was uh uh you know we we both ended up with an xl um uh and i don't think either of us uh really wanted an xl i think we both would have settled for a medium i would i would i would have had to hold up the medium and see but uh, i might have taken the xl but um i never thought that i never thought coles is is are they uh are they center? Are they like based out of Chicago, out of uh, Milwaukee? Yeah, so they're based out of out of Wisconsin. Herb Cole, Herb Cole, um, uh, you know, yeah, the Cole Center, former uh, Wisconsin politician, uh, owned the Bucks for a long time. Actually, Coles used to have a uh, grocery store too, but they, really? um, yes, yeah. but they went out of business uh, quite a few years ago. Um, and hey, now they're probably going to be doing even better now that uh, Bo- Boston store is, uh, I believe, closing all of their locations in, oh, uh, in Milwaukee, which is know. Carson Peary Scott, right? Yeah, 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 that was like Bonton stores or something like okay. that. So they're all closed. And their stuff, but anyway, yeah, it felt, it felt like an, a trip, a, tri- a trip to Cole. We could choose to go down that path and just forget about the baseball talk <laughs> if you want. Um, so anyway, so that was the giveaway, and so, but, but you know what? Uh, it's free, and I think Jeremy and I both agreed that you know, even you know, you can't, you can't argue with free, right? Um, Although and so actually. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, it ended up uh, serving a different purpose. Um, it, it served as a pretty uh, nice blanket to spread over our uh, our legs uh, when as it got colder out. Yeah, uh, so Indi- we didn't actually, in- put it on individually. We didn't like no, like, we drape didn't. them over each other. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, we're uh, usually we try to like uh, have a buffer seat in between us or whatever. Have this uh, buffer seat. Gotta yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, so anyway, we uh, we we got the giveaway, and that was that. But yeah. I think. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was going to say we, um, you know, before we went to the seats, we uh, we did a little tour of the old gift shop. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack last year scored a pretty sweet uh, clearance rack uh, uh, purchase. I did. I got a uh, so this was in 2017. I got a uh, Scott Carroll uh, uh, T-shirt. It was like one of those jersey T-shirts jersey. with the number with the number. Yeah, jersey. Yeah, yeah. with the uh, with the number and the name on the back and just the socks logo on in front. And actually, it, it fits it fits really well. And it was only it was only five dollars. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I, I I wear it quite a bit. And the thing is, so I bought this in 2017. I believe Scott Carroll pitched his last game for the White Sox in 2015. So that that thing had probably been sitting on the clearance rack <laughs> at least for one full like calendar season. Yeah. Um and so we 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 went we went back, we kind of browsed the uh the gift shop and I wanted to go back to the clearance rack again to see if I could get another steal. Uh for some reason it seemed like the clearance la- uh, rack was much less uh, significant this year. It was only like one rack of of shirts. Yeah, we're debating whether or not they like they build they build it up over the course of the year. Like I guess so Saladino is no longer on the team. Mm, yeah, but he, and he was still in the uh, the regular like players aisle. So I imagine he'll make his way over there. So usually it seems like the clearance rack uh, consists of ex players. Like last year, Brett Laurie was in the clearance rack. Uh, yeah. ho- however, this year uh, uh, Adam Engel had, had somehow found his way uh, into the clearance rack, <laughs> right. even though he was in the lineup for the game we saw. 
Um, Don't um, tell him that. Yeah, God, yeah. I hope he doesn't listen. Yeah, maybe if your career average is under 200, uh, you go to the clearance rack. Yeah, um, that's Matt, fair. Da- Matt Davidson is, is on his way yeah, there, I think. Be on alert. <laughs> um, one of the things, my favorite, uh, let's see, a couple of things. Uh, we did see some umpire hats, like, mm-hmm. which were cool. Those were on the clearance rack, so yeah. maybe or maybe not. We, we couldn't tell. But um, they had a, a rack of 8x10s, which was uh, pretty fantastic. Um, one dollar. They cost one dollar. Mm-hmm. We bought. We did not buy any. No, no, no. Um, but some of the ones that we saw were um, Edwin Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Carlos Quinton, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Thornton, mm-hmm. and Brent Morrell. We had to we had to look up Brent Morrell because I couldn't. No, I did not remember site. that guy. And and honestly, Jeremy, you you mentioned this when we were in a gift shop, but like I had forgotten Edwin Jackson was even on the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. Um, is he still pitching this year? Is he, um, did he surface ooh, anywhere? I don't know. Because he was know. with the Orioles last year, right? And the Nationals, too, right? Yeah, he had yeah. a, a bit of a resurgence last year with the Nationals. He did. And, I mean, they were way out in front when he made the roster, or yeah. when he got out, he got put on their roster. So you know he was just there to eat up innings. But, I mean, that's, yeah. uh, you know, some we'll get into this a little later with guys like that. But, you know, hey, some guys make a career out of just being a guy that kind of kind of hangs around on on teams anyway like i said we'll get to yeah. that later with uh, one of the white Sox players but sure. uh uh okay so so was there was that but so jeremy and i uh uh, tr- uh like i said uh, at the beginning of the podcast we are avid scorekeepers and so having a scorecard at uh baseball games is an absolute must uh yep. and we were not able to get a uh, satisfactory scorecard at the yeah, white Sox game yeah it's you know it's one of those things each time like when you go the first first uh, game of the year you're like what's going to be different you know mm-hmm. like and uh i it the thought occurred to me um a couple years ago i i went to the rays stadium uh 2015 and uh they did not have scorecards they actually did have like this like newsprint like uh handout magazine thing with like it looked it looked like kind of like the, the scorecards that the guys sell outside of Wrigley Field, the like non-sanctioned ones. Mm-hmm. It was pretty shabby, and that had a scorecard inside of it, and I was not too thrilled about having to use that. And I actually passed by like the um, guest relations uh, table, and a lady there had um, like score sheets. Uh, pres- I, th- I think they, they give those out to anyone in the press box. Um, so and yeah, so Jeremy, being the resourceful guy that he is in those situations, actually went to the uh, guest relations booth for uh, for the Sox, and he was able to yeah. uh, score us or uh, get us some of those uh, score sheets. Uh, but so so originally before before he went and got that, so we we quickly discovered as we went up to the uh, the booth where they sold the. the programs etc that um that so they weren't going to sell just individual scorecards what you have to do is you have to buy an entire program and then inside of that program there is a generic scorecard which uh does not list the rosters or anything like that and also so jeremy and i are collectors of our scorecards you know we like to have them put in a little box or whatever and so just to to have a uh uh, a, a huge program like that. It's it's just a little cumbersome uh, for the the rest of your collection. It, it ain't cutting in White Sox like I, this this magazine. Like I'll say this about this magazine. It, it's like a thick bound magazine, and mm-hmm. it was two dollars. Yeah, which is in general is a steal. Like I think like programs are usually like five dollars and up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll give the Sox credit. They're they're not um, pricing themselves out of no. the. Uh, uh, you know the uh, ancillary uh, collectible market, <laughs> but 
um, to keep scoring this thing, it's like it's a thick bound thing. So like it's like you're trying. To, it's like if you cracked open the Bible and try to keep score. Like, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, you know, the first page of the New Testament or something. You know, <laughs> like so it's not it's not fun and it's not ideal. And so like yeah, we we luckily we were able to get those the press box score sheets. We were. Now here's the thing. I would I would so this program costs us two dollars. I would have paid two dollars just to have a, a yeah. nice scorecard with the rosters on them. Um, yeah. I can only imagine they did it because they felt like they weren't selling enough of them but you know so after we got ours and you know we're pretty disappointed there was like there was a kid who was you know he was maybe 12 or 13 yeah, years old uh-huh. who was who was behind us and he also asked for a scorecard and once again the guy the guy turned him down um, yeah so uh, you know i feel like this is gonna gonna happen a lot um i've that, uh, we I've, lost that kid that kid's done He's yeah like, yeah we should have found that kid and got him the press box scorecard. oh yeah i didn't think that would have been a, a charitable act but he's already talking back to his parents <laughs> it's too uh, late um so so yeah you know here, here was here was what I what I thought was that even if they just had like a cuz I've seen them do this at minor league stadiums is even if they just have a generic scorecard which would say white Sox and visitors and then there yeah. was there were no rosters on them what they could do is they could run off uh uh, just a sheet, like just a sheet of regular paper with, uh, you know, the rosters for that series on them. Definitely. I can, I, I, you know, that would be a lot more cost effective. And so you could still have scorecards and, you know, maybe save a little money. And that's what I was hoping for by asking at that guest relations. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, if, and for future reference, if any uh, people like want a scorecard, yeah, it's the, I just went to the guest relations behind home plate. Yeah. Now here's the thing though. You're going to want to bring a hard surface to write on. <laughs> so that not having scorecards sort of set off a whole chain reaction of stuff, uh, you right. know, Namely, the fact that we ended up so just like the uh, the the pullovers were used for blankets, uh, the uh, programs that we bought ended up being used as sort of uh, makeshift clipboards. Yeah, that's, uh, if that's you will. true. So if you're going to a uh, White Sox game, uh, bring you know bring a clipboard or a hard surface to write on and, if you're going to get that scorecard. And Jack, I looked it up today, and uh, you know we got this internet at, at our disposal. We could look up anything we want. Mm-hmm. I I checked out the old uh, OfficeDepot.com. Yeah, and uh, they got mini uh, clipboards for a buck ninety. No, that's so there you go. You can't beat it. Not yeah, not too bad, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, so so that was that was the scorecard fiasco. <laughs> but you know, we were we were able to get that press box scorecard, and we were able to uh, keep a pretty satisfactory. Gang, scorecard. we haven't gotten even into the game yet. All huh? right. So 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 here we go. Here we go. So uh, as we said, the defending World Series uh, cha- world champion Houston Astros uh, were playing in this game, and now you know nothing's more disappointing than seeing uh, uh, a team give its its best player uh, or one of its best players a day off. But that that didn't happen. For for us today we saw all the usual suspects yeah. for the astros and it was a studly lineup yeah definitely um yeah uh you know you, you got the usual suspects there so we saw the astros last year and mm-hmm. springer was on the dl he i was. think um but uh he was uh leading off uh on uh, this night um altuve was in the two hole uh, correa was uh, batting third and reddick was batting in the cleanup spot and um you know, you see that lineup, and uh, you're thinking, like, what is Josh Reddick doing in the uh, old cleanup spot? Yeah, Jeremy said uh, exactly those words. And, uh, you know, after his uh, uh, in, in his second at-bat of the game, when it was already 4 to nothing, uh, so uh, Lucas Giolito started for the White Sox, and he had, a uh, quite frankly, a terrible start. Uh, his line to end the night was two innings pitched, uh, five hits, nine earned runs, uh, seven walks, Blech. and one strikeout. I think they burned three mound visits on him in they- two in two innings. Things. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, you know, uh, of the max of six, they burned they burned three. Uh, the game was such a blowout that they probably weren't weren't worried about using all of them. So, uh, so in in Reddick, so he gave up. So Giolito gave up four uh, earned runs in the first inning, and they uh, all, they the Astros batted around in that inning. All nine hitters. I will say to the plate. 
I will say, you know, uh, before we launch in on Giolito and everything we already have, but mm-hmm. I just want to say to his compl- to to uh, you know the, on the plus side for him, he did get two strikes on Jose Altuve. Okay, yeah, as yeah. as evidenced by the two strikes graphic uh, on the uh, out on the uh, upper deck ring around uh, center field. Yeah, you know, that, it's kind of pathetic that that would be a thing to be celebrated. Uh, that that would be like uh, a guy like if if like Alice <laughs> Ramirez at the plate and was at the plate who uh, never took walks and like he took ball three. <laughs> And then yeah. they, they put like ball three up there. Yeah, you know? with like you know the cartoon uh, ball like like smiling or something like like laying on the beach with sunglasses or whatever. <laughs> ball three. Um, but yes, I've never seen a ball or a strike two graphic. It, you know, and hey, you know what? I'm, I like the White Sox. I'm happy that we can go for uh, you know a, a mere pittance mm-hmm. of a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it might not be that way forever. They got guys coming up, but. Uh, yeah, strike two graphic. Right. Um, and so, so uh, Jeremy had uh, 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 commented on really Josh Reddick is hitting in the four hole, and those turned out to be famous last words because in <laughs> uh, uh, Reddick's second at bat, when he came up in the second inning, there were uh, Giolito had walked the bases loaded, so he walked Springer, Altuve, and Correa, the first three hitters of the second inning, and then Josh Reddick came up and uh, hit a bomb to right field that went over the fence, and uh, we had a good we we were Jeremy and I were sitting in uh, sort of the right field. Just uh, sort uh, right field of, corner. Yeah, we were sitting in the right field corner, kind of by where the right fielder uh, was, and so we had a great. We were up a little bit, and we had a great angle on the trajectory of that ball. Yeah. Um. And so Reddick hit that home run. It was a grand slam. Um. And so uh, the the game was eight nothing. So the game was over. Uh, on that swing. That was um, the death knell. Yeah, that was that was it. So Dagger. the White the White Sox weren't coming back after that. Uh, Giolito. Um, I'm trying to see where he got... Okay, so they let him finish that inning, but he ended up uh, walking the first two guys of the third inning, and then they took him out. I, I'm sure they wanted him to go four or five if he could, because he was only at about maybe, I don't know how many pitches he was at. He was probably at 60 or 70-ish yeah. pitches when they <clears> took <throat> him out, but it was just, uh, it got ridiculous. So um, he was lifted. But yeah, after that Reddick home run, the game was effectively over. Uh, and it got Jeremy and I to thinking about uh, grand slams that we've seen uh, in our lives uh, in person. Yeah. In person, yeah. yeah. And so, Jeremy, you had one that you wanted to share. Yeah. So um, this is uh, one of my favorite baseball memories, actually. Um, in 2008, last series of uh, last season in Shea Stadium for the Mets, mm-hmm. um, I, I had a friend who moved out there, and uh, me and my roommate um, took a trip out there, and uh, you know, got to see New York and everything. And um, we got to Shea Stadium uh, in the like in September of 2008. I actually uh, missed the Cubs. Cl- I had tickets for the Cubs game where they eventually clinched against mm-hmm. the Cardinals. I had to sell those to go to make the New York trip. So they had already clinched at this point. Um, and then we all know what happened in the 08 playoffs. Mm-hmm. But but uh, so um, I saw Jason Marquis hit a grand slam. The pitcher Jason Marquis. The pitcher Jason Marquis wow. hit a grand slam uh, in Shea Stadium and. Uh, you know, we're going nuts. I should say this, too. We actually sat in Sandy Alomar's tickets, in, in his seats. Or he got us seats. Uh, Sandy Alomar <laughs> Jr., the the, cat, the old catcher? Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, that, that seems like a story <laughs> unto itself. Yeah, it is. Uh, my, my, my roommate, uh, the aforementioned roommate, worked at a place who um, and a co-worker of his like was married to Sandy Alomar's Jr.'s sister or something. Weird. And so like they pulled this proper strings were pulled and he like left us tickets uh, at the at Shea Stadium. Wow, that's all. And so so was this uh, I mean was this in in uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry I, I was it <laughs> a Mets Jack. a Mets Indians game was it No uh, no no it was Cubs. It was oh it was Cubs. Yeah, yeah. So okay yeah, Marquis oh. was on the Cubs at that point. Oh my gosh yeah okay because he was on the Marquis was on the Indians for a little while like. 
like and was he because well, I thought I, I feel yeah. like we were gonna see a double header uh, oh, he was on the sex. Reds the he, Reds oh the Reds yeah That's we did right. see him oh yeah he that guy bounced around I think he um, was had already been out of the league a year at that point he or had something. he had yeah. um Gosh, that's strange. Is Alomar yeah. is he still the first base coach for the uh, the uh, the Indians? I'm not know. sure. He was, you know, he was getting talks for like a, a coaching job, and it never happened. I I don't know where he is right now. Okay, yeah, okay, but, but he's. I'm sure he's on a staff somewhere. That's so. That's really unusual to see a pitcher hit a grand slam. I know. It's I know. Bum, cool. I think Bumgarner did it uh, uh, in 2014 when he had that ridiculous season. But that is yeah. certainly a grand slam is rare enough to see. But uh, yeah. to see a pitcher hit one is uh, really cool. So the the tag of that is, um, you know, so like we're me and my roommate were both huge uh, are both huge Cubs fans. So we were we were uh, you know and they were they were out to an uh, early blowout of the Mets. So we were really feeling it and mm-hmm. we were like being very vocal about it. And so after the uh, marquee uh, Grand Slam, I stood up and was clapping and cheering and whatever. And I got hit in the back of the head with a peanut. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through a peanut at the back of my head, which was uh, quite it was quite welcome. I, I'll take that over anything else. And uh, um, you know, I think that. I'm okay with someone throwing a peanut at me, you know? That's sure, fine. Sure, and, and you know, it may have been well-deserved. We don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. We might have gotten... Sandy might have left us some drink tickets. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> What's else is there? You, you're, my, you're my partner. What's going on? <laughs> so, uh, so I actually... Uh, mine was also a, sort of a more unconventional game or a game that I saw on the road. Um, uh, so when I was a kid, uh, I believe this was the 1996 season... Uh, I saw, uh, so what I thought, what I had thought was a Grand Slam until I looked it up two days ago. Uh, uh, So this was at Synergy Field. It was the uh, Cincinnati Reds versus the New York Mets. So there's a little, little story sort of behind this game. Um, so we were taking a road trip. The reason we went to the Reds games, we were taking a road trip to see my grandma in, uh, who lived in Asheville, North Carolina at the time. That's actually, uh, this was the same road trip where we saw, uh, an Asheville tourist game and we saw Todd Helton's first, uh, professional, uh, uh, baseball game. Uh, cause he, he came up with the, uh, color in that Ash- Asheville tourists were the Colorado Rockies, a team. Anyway, uh, so we, we went to this Reds game at Synergy Field. Um, and so on the Reds at the time was, a uh, uh, Joe Oliver. He was the, a catcher for the Reds. He had spent the 1995 season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, and so I was a huge, uh, huge fan of Joe Oliver. The reason for that was, was because 1995 was kind of one of the first years that my dad really started taking me to games, or at least that I was aware of being taken to them. Um, I was, uh, not to age myself here, but I was nine at the time. And, uh, so we would always do a thing where we predict who's going to hit a home run. And so for some reason, I have no idea why, uh, in this game for the Brewers in the 1995 season, I predicted Joe Oliver would hit a home run. Uh, 95 was the only, um, season that Oliver spent on the Brewers, but anyway, so, you know, of course, he hits a home run in that game, and he became one of my favorite, he became my favorite player. So, uh, so before... I, I love that. I love that Joe Oliver was your favorite player at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was actually on a couple of uh, those. He was on that Reds 91 World Series team, Na- if I'm not 90 mistaken. World Series. 90 um, World Series. Okay. I was going to do a little aside. Like, yeah, I, lo- I actually loved that 90s World Series team. Mm-hmm. I was on the, the Reds uh, Little League team, and... Uh, I was feuding with a guy in my grade school uh, um, who was an A's fan, uh-huh. and like I, I bet him like you know a popsicle or something <laughs> that uh, they win, and so I was yeah, it's good, good summer for me. Um, so I uh, uh, so so in '96, in the spring of '96, probably around March. I, uh, you know, I found out my dad told me that we were going to be going to a, uh, a Reds game uh, the next month. This game took place in April of, of 96. So I wrote Joe Oliver 
a, a fan letter um, <laughs> telling him that I was going to be coming to a Reds game in April, um, and you know my parents mailed it to the Reds or whatever. And so a couple weeks later, uh, to my huge surprise, um, probably to my parents' surprise too, <laughs> we got a letter back in the mail, and it was an autographed baseball card from Joe Oliver. That's um, so. Did you send a card to him? No, they. I oh, we did not send man. a card. He just he just sent one, um, and he he sent the autograph, uh, which was which was awesome. At least at least from what I recall. I don't recall sending a card so i think he may have just sent one that's it um, that's, that's what we call in the collecting business at ttm through the mail <laughs> that's still you know not the retail uh, value but uh you can't put a price on the personal value on that bad boy no no ttm not to be mistaken with uh twtw that's um, right yeah so uh so anyway oliver sent this he didn't send any letter but he sent that card back uh which was really cool and I, at the time i was just awed by that uh you know now looking back i think well you know like Joe Oliver probably didn't get a ton of fan mail, so that was, it's like, he probably thought it was equally cool that I wrote him something. I was going to say, much to Joe Oliver's surprise, <laughs> that he received a, a letter. So, so we, um... Sorry, so, Joe. Yeah, so we, uh, so we went down, uh, to the game, um, this was in April, it was actually on a Wednesday night, like, second week of April, I, I, I was looking at this game on Baseball Reference, uh, just, uh, two days ago, uh, to, the best to site talk ever. It is, be- absolute best site, website ever, and the only reason I was able to really find out about this. So, my dad had mentioned to me uh that oliver was playing in a platoon uh at the time this was the this was the my first introduction to what like a platoon was you know and i was sort of nonplussed to find out that he wasn't playing every day um <laughs> so that the guy he was platooning with was uh eddie taubensey Oof. so uh yeah, a left-handed hitter so uh, uh you know oliver was playing probably against lefties taubensey against righties so uh the mets were my dad had warned me that uh you know oliver might not play in that game and so i remember the day we were going to the game my dad was like, well, Oliver, you know, he played the night before, uh, so it's probably going to be Taubensee tonight. So I was really disappointed that I was going to be seeing Eddie Taubensee. So, uh, <laughs> so, so actually in the first inning of that game, uh, uh, the way I remembered it was the bases were loaded. It turns out only two guys were on base, but Taubensee was hitting in the cleanup role. And he hit a he hit a three run jack in the uh, the first inning, and then so then naturally uh, Eddie Taubensey, uh he went on he actually hit two uh, yeah so he hit that home run uh, I think he had four RBIs in that game from the Baseball Reference box score I looked at and uh, you know because he hit that home run he then uh, surpassed Joe Oliver as being my favorite player <laughs> yeah uh, that's fantastic I never did send a a letter to Taubensey no. but um but yeah so that was I had thought for the longest time I actually thought it was a grand slam but it turns out it was a three run jack. Uh, I think Barry Larkin was one of the runners on base, and it may have been Reggie Sanders was the other one, but I'm not sure. Um, And so, yeah, that was, uh, I think, Dave Burba started in that game. Um, So, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, we're talking about a long time ago. Rico Bronia played first base for the Mets. So yeah, I saw a lot of lot of old timers and uh, uh, well, at least now old timers um, in that game. But yeah, that so that was my sort of non Grand Slam story. But you know, yeah. I still wanted to share it because it was a, a a nice baseball memory from when I was a kid. That's awesome, and I cannot tell you how like how pleased I I get, and, and I'd love to hear uh, if other people out there like feel the same way. I get so pleased hearing names of old baseball players. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it just makes me like smile or laugh or just like gaze wistfully like i yeah like dave burba oh my god yeah. that's awesome yeah um a couple of sides there real quick i thought i, I i'm gonna start keeping a, a list of of people we've offended on this podcast mm-hmm. i was i was starting to write eddie tobinzi down um because you were so unhappy to see him but uh you you, you salvaged that story right he, he's, he's we- 
Yeah, he's on the good list. Yeah, right? now we may need to write Joe Oliver down though, because he's no he he was probably like you know what the hell what the hell you know you you know you were yeah. my uh, you were my guy. But, yeah, uh, exactly. But any anyway, yeah. He's so Oliver Oliver, uh, I think he ended his career with the uh, Mariners, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, uh, and Tomlinson, yeah, I don't know if he ever played for anybody but the Reds. But um, Ooh, that's what Jeremy and I always one thing we always like to do with old baseball players is to kind of uh, try to figure out what what teams they they played on right. besides their right. primary one. Right, which we might come back later in the podcast. Podcast. It might. I just have a quick aside. I just yep. want to say something for anyone out there who's questioning our baseball knowledge or, or like, you know, are we qualified to be doing this podcast? Listen, this guy seeing Todd Helton in his first pro game. I'm getting tickets from Sandy Alomar. We are real fans, people. Okay, listen, we're real. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we can back it up. I also uh, in a minor league game on uh, that same road trip where my dad caught the foul ball at the Rays game. We saw an Orlando Rays game, uh, and we saw a guy named Sean Buner, who was uh, <laughs> Jay Buner's uh, brother and exact double. He looked exactly like Jay really? Buner. Wow. Yeah. Um. Uh, and He's also got a rocket foot. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also George Lombard played in that game. Uh, That's he yeah. hit a he hit a home run, uh, and he had a cup of coffee in the majors. But I think he coaches now too. So. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so so that was the those are the Grand Slam stories. So yeah, basically with this uh, this this Astros Sox game, uh, it was over after with with no outs in the second inning, and uh, yet there were still about three hours of baseball to go. Yeah, exactly. So um, you you did make the observation that like you know these guys are going to start swinging at first pitches and everything, and that's pretty much yeah. It, it did pretty much breeze. Uh, after that, yeah, at least, uh, yeah, absolutely. The the Astros certainly did. They didn't. Uh, yeah. So they scored. Uh, Reddick Reddick ended up hitting another solo shot in the fourth, but that was the last run they scored. Um, and especially in the uh, the ninth. So uh, uh, Joe Kim Soria uh, pitched the ninth for the. Uh, for the White Sox, uh, it was a very quick inning. Uh, so, so for that one, you know, whenever a pitcher is uh, pitching garbage time like that against a team, it was basically a free inning for Soria. You yeah. know, the the Astros just wanted to go home. They were probably really cold, and they were just swinging at the first pitch. Not that they weren't trying to get hits, but it's not like they were waiting for one of their pitches. They were just trying to make contact and see what happens, I think. Yeah, ERA helper on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Um, so, uh, so, so I guess that 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 was some Astro stuff. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about the White Sox a little bit. Yeah. So, so their lineup was uh, Tim Anderson, who I think maybe was hitting in the leadoff spot for the first time that uh, that season. Although okay. I mean, that's not confirmed. This I think is, yeah. I feel like I read that in the paper. So yeah, we had Tim Anderson at short, uh, Avi Garcia, Abreu. Uh, and Wellington Castillo. We'll get back to him in a minute at catcher. Uh, the DH was Matt Davidson. We had Yohan Moncada at uh, second base with uh, uh, Trace Thompson making his uh, actually he making playing in his second game of the season for the White Sox. Yeah, welcome I, home, Trace. Yeah, I think the I think the White Sox uh, got acquired him for cash from the uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So he was hitting in the seven hole. We had uh, uh, Yolmer Sanchez at third base and Adam Engel hitting ninth uh, in center field. Um, again, a lineup of all the usual suspects for the White Sox. Nobody really got a day off, and we saw everybody we would have wanted to see for them. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and Giolito was on the mound. Um, I was, I wanted to bring this up, and I didn't do the research, so I maybe shouldn't bring it up. But like, so what's the story with Giolito? His parents were both actors. Yeah, so his parents were both actors. I believe I'm not sure if it was like, or maybe his grandparents were actors. Someone in Giolito's family, though, was on an episode of Seinfeld. I believe. Oh, yeah, and. I had I had kind of always thought that they would put some kind of graphic on the on the scoreboard because the White Sox are all about putting like graphics and then an odd fact about a dude on yeah. the scoreboard, um, which isn't something you'll oh, see at, at Wrigley Field. So maybe that could be something to add to our list of of how um, uh, you know 
what ways that U.S. Cellular Field is better than Wrigley Field? Uh, it's not, in my opinion. I think no. Wrigley is probably the best place to watch a game in the we're, majors. But we're trying to help. We're trying to help them out. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, like uh, their uh, the the White Sox scoreboard game is uh, is on point for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was gonna say what my my observation was because yeah, we were sitting in the uh, right field corner. Mm-hmm. Um, those seats, the, their seats are actually angled towards uh, the home to home plate, mm-hmm. which I, I would say that's a that's a nice plus. I mean, it should be standard, but I think if you sit uh, out in Wrigley, uh, out in those corners, at some point, at some point, they do kind of like follow the natural curve of the stadium and they're facing the home plate but if you get like when you're not quite in the corner but getting close to it like those seats are kind of facing like straight ahead so you're kind of like if you're looking naturally you're looking like you know in short center field or whatever right um and you know for this Sox game too uh, uh so normally jeremy and i buy about the cheapest tickets we can and just sit wherever we can so we did buy the cheapest tickets available for this one uh, on ticketmaster i believe we, we picked them up uh, they were 12 dollars a piece which is a little bit more than we like to pay for white Sox tickets yeah a little bit. Uh, usually actually actually not not even just a little bit it's about twice as much as we like <laughs> to pay for white Sox tickets usually we try to get them for six maybe they were a little more expensive because saturday night astros and the pullover giveaway yeah. uh so so yeah we we did have upper deck tickets but we 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 never we never sat there. We moved into the lower no. deck. Um, and actually, the stadium for a White Sox game uh, on a cold night was uh, was quite full. There were probably they didn't announce the attendance, but oh, I would I would right. say it was I would say it was twenty two twenty three thousand maybe. I bet yeah. Oh, this is good. I should maybe look this up. Yeah, I, I would guess. I would guess uh, twenty. Just yeah, for, yeah. Just for, and then twenty seems fun. like a good number. So actually, yeah. the bleachers. Um, were uh were were full for the most part. Those yeah. must have just been cheaper discounted tickets, but those were the fullest seats in the uh stadium, which which is not which is always the case at Wrigley Field, but not not necessarily at the uh at, at guaranteed rate. Right. Um so uh so yeah it was actually kind of a bigger than expected crowd, especially considering uh, how bad the White Sox are this year. So uh so with that in mind, um uh yeah not nothing to the White Sox. It was it was one of those games where uh, you know, if you're a fan of the home team, it was just a real, real clunker uh, offensively and pitching wise. Uh, the White Sox didn't really do anything on offense. They barely ever. They, they didn't have any rallies. They didn't threaten. And really, the only uh, thing that happened for the White Sox, they, the final score of this game was ten to one, and the White Sox got their one run on a uh, Trace Thompson uh, opposite field home run in the fifth inning. Yeah, that's correct. And I was uh, up getting trying to get a ba- free baseball hat during that, so <laughs> I uh, I did catch it uh, from home plate. But I was on I was on the move at that point, so I missed it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was uh, that 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 was a home run that uh, you know me and my dad refer to as a, a Jameel Wilson home run. Jameel Wilson actually he played some in the NBA this year for the LA Clippers, but uh, he was a player who uh, I'm a huge Marquette basketball fan, uh, being from Milwaukee, and so he was a player on Marquette where he would always seem to hit shots when the game was decided. You you know, sure. he, he was a he was a talented player, but he could never he could never turn it on when when the game meant something. And you know, there's there's guys like that in every in every sport. Um, and so that was just kind of a, a Jameel Wilson home run. So it was it was a meaningless home run. It really had no uh, no effect on the uh, overall outcome of the game. Yeah. But I mean, if you were a White Sox fan and you wanted to see someone hit a dinger, uh, you saw it. I okay. guess. I'm going to add him to the list and uh, Jimmy Wilson of people we've uh, offended. Um, and I was going to I'll just go ahead and put Pedro Strope on there because I think Pedro Strope is 
much better relief pitcher when the Cubs are trailing by five or more. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> and actually, in the uh, uh, in the game we saw on Tuesday, he took a giant dump on the mound. When yeah, that's he, uh, right. He blew the game. I mean, the game was maybe two to one at, at that point. So he came in and what was it about the eighth inning of he, a two to one game? Yeah, I think, I think it was three to one. Maybe? Was it three to one? Yeah. Okay, but then he yeah he ended up giving up a couple runs and just completely put the game yeah, out of reach. He, he for gave the, up uh, two or three more, or maybe it was two to one, and then yeah. he gave up two more, and mm-hmm. then uh, the Cubs of course course came back and scored two but they were still chasing because yeah yeah Stropey. um but, oh well. so yeah so so just right there that is a strope is another uh, example of uh, that sort of phenomenon uh, uh so um uh we one thing i wanted to bring up so we, we had wellington castillo hitting in the four hole now now I, I thought about it and i thought well geez you know like so he so i i ended up looking this up wellington castillo has never finished the season on he's he's played eight years since 2010 he's played parts of eight seasons he made his debut in 2010 and you know he's been in the league ever since every year and he has never um played on a team that that finished above 500 really? uh, i think the closest he ever came was in 2015 where uh so he played the first 24 games of his of that season with the 2015 cubs right uh, yeah. and so they finished over 500 he was then yep. traded to the mariners he played yep. six games for the mariners they uh they oh. finished under 500 for that year he was then traded to the diamondbacks okay. who finished under 500 for that year the diamondbacks yeah. finished they were like 79 and 83 that year i think uh and they finished in third place which is the highest uh of Wellington Castillo uh, team has ever finished. The next year uh, was 2016. He played with the Diamondbacks. They played. They finished in fourth place that year. In every other season that Wellington Castillo played in, his team finished in last place. <laughs> um, and so you think about it. So he he came up in 2010 with the White Sox. So that was sort of, 2010 was sort of right after their uh, their window closed with, uh, you know, Derek Lee and uh, Aramis and Soriano. They came and, up with the Cubs, yeah. Yeah, the Cubs, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was sort of right after yeah. the Cubs window closed. And so so he played, uh, so every team he played on uh, from 2010 to 2014 was a last place finish. So, and then right, right when they were getting good again, he got traded away. Yeah. Um, it, from, a, from a Cubs fan, so I'm a, I'm a big Cubs fan, and um, uh, I said that already, but uh, mm-hmm. I'll say it again uh, mm-hmm. in future episodes. But, uh, you know, um, he, he's one of those tough luck guys where, like, he was a, he was a nice ball player. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think, like, I, honestly, I think that the whole Lester-David Ross uh, thing ended up playing into them and ultimately getting rid of Wellington-Castillo because, okay, so in 15... Um, they had that's the year that they signed Ross, right? Yeah, so they signed Ross. Miggy Mont was also on that team. Miggy right. Montero. Um, yeah, so, they got so both of those guys. Wellington Castillo, I guess, maybe just became a little extra for that yeah. team. Yeah, so, but Ross basically aced him out. It seems. Yeah, he was a good player on a rebuilding team, and then I think they they felt like their window was open, and so they ended up moving moving along from from Wellington. But like he he was well liked. Like his first game back. Um, uh, Rizzo like did a little like play like like punch him or something like mm-hmm. they they were like they were like messing around and like I think yeah the players liked him and he he was a good player and it just it just didn't work out because the Cubs were you know trying to make that that push but uh, but yeah I, I always liked him as a player and yeah I think he's a pretty serviceable catcher he, he is a, yeah he's a he's a decent player and uh, you know he he's one of those guys where if He's probably not going to be with the Sox. He might have signed, what, a two-year deal with the Sox or something like that? Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. But so he's one of those guys where if he ever did actually make the playoffs, uh, you know, I would root for him because, you know, he's been in in parts of eight major league seasons and uh, he just has never played meaningful baseball in September. So I would, uh, you know, yeah, I'd be happy for the guy. But he was... um, 
Yeah, so he went 0 for 2 in that game with a walk uh, uh, in his last at bat, and then he was lifted uh, after the uh, after the sixth inning after his last at bat, probably just to give him the rest of the night off. Um, uh, Omar Narvaez replaced him, and so that was uh, we actually saw that quite a bit with um, the the Astros as well. The Astros for some reason AJ Hinch made a whole bunch of moves. He took Correa out of the game. He took Reddick out of the game, um, and he switched Marwin Gonzalez from left field to shortstop, uh, and Springer from center to left. So it was, uh, A.J. Hinge made a bunch of moves, but uh, once that game turned into a blowout, we saw a lot of guys kind of get taken out, probably just to give him the rest of the night off. Yep. Um, and that was actually disappointing because Reddick, uh, Reddick was on fire. He, um, you know, we, we potentially would have had him, uh, had a chance to see him hit three home runs. I have never been at a game where guys hit three homers, and yeah. we would have had a chance to see Reddick, Reddick do it. But, you know, right. we, di- we didn't. And I was at one where Aram uh, hit three homers against the Astros, and I don't remember it. <laughs> we've, we've talked, Jack and I have talked about this a lot. Um, we have. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah. so yeah, and uh, actually, uh, one, one thing that I noticed during the game was that, so Marwin Gonzalez started the game in left field, and he got moved to short, but he actually ended up late in the game. He made a pretty nice play at shortstop. That must be kind of a strange transition for a guy, um, you know, to, to go from left field to uh, to shortstop yeah, in a game. Yeah, that's something that doesn't happen too often. No, no, it's not. Um, uh, so there was, so, so there was a, a lot of substitutions. We also saw uh, Evan Gaddis, uh, the designated hitter, uh, uh, for the Astros now, uh, uh, the, the, in, on the Cubs broadcasts, they've uh, they, they they call him the Sandlot Slugger. I think mainly because he looks like the he's just like the like the big kid from the Sandlot. He doesn't wear batting gloves. Just sort of his his batting stance is reminiscent of that kid from the Sandlot. Right. And but uh, so the sand, they call him the Sandlot Slugger. But uh, Jeremy actually had a different nickname for him. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. So um. Uh Given like you know, there it was actually kind of cool when he came up. Uh, you know, they they talked, they uh, told these stories about how he was out of baseball for a while and he was working as a janitor. Uh, um, and so, uh, you know, he's he's a powerful guy. So I, I thought uh, the Jack and Janitor was pretty good. It, it, it is. I'm not sure how he would feel about that nickname, but uh, no, but that it, that was a source of uh, entertainment for Jeremy and I during yeah, the game. Yeah, I think you know, I don't know if. Maybe there's kids in Houston who want to go to a game and just yell Jack and Janitor, you know? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm just look- keep it to the game, though, not at school, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we um, One time Jeremy and I um, went to a, a White Sox game, and it was a, it was on a Monday night. They uh, it, it went 14 innings. They did a, uh, they actually did a 14th inning stretch. But, um, uh, you know, during that yeah. game, since it was on a Monday night, nobody nobody <clears> stayed. So there, there were probably – I mean, this is probably uh, – uh, underestimating it, but it felt like there were about 200 people left in the park, and uh, you know, Hawk waved to me at that game. Don't did he wave to you? I can't. Oh, During the second, seventh inning stretch, he was like <laughs> looking out on the fans, and I turned around and I waved at him, and he wa- he waved back at me. Nice. He he <laughs> must have truly felt that you had that TWTW. He, he did. Yeah, I think I, th- I think. It- he mouthed it to me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, Marcus Semien, uh, actually former White Sox player, was playing for the Oakland A's, so you'd think they would have shown him a little more love, but they uh, they were calling him Marcus Seaman in that game. Some, <laughs> some kids were. You know, stay, yeah. stay classy Sox fans. Yeah, but, there you um, go. Uh, and actually also Brett Laurie, I remember, hit a home run in that game, so that was, uh, you know, also another White Sox connection in that one. Fun at the old ballpark. So that actually that's one of the, uh, the reasons Jeremy and I decided to do this podcast was because we have been to a lot of crazy games 
games. Uh, yeah, and so we figured it'd sure. be a good idea. You know, I'm looking at the uh, Astros box score now for the game we went to, and I think uh, poor Brian McCann was the only Astro who did not have a hit oh, in that yeah, game, or at always... least the only guy in the starting lineup who didn't have a hit. Yeah, right. There's uh, always one. There is. And actually, last year when we saw Astros White Sox, uh, McCann um, was robbed of a home run on a great play by Adam Engel. Yeah. Um. Uh, so he has just had some some rough luck at the uh, at the cell. I uh, to go back to uh, oh, things overheard in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have one thing that I wrote down. I, I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but there was there's like a couple behind us, like a young couple. Mm-hmm. And, um, they actually they didn't sound like the guy didn't sound like he would know a lot about baseball and they didn't seem very interested. But he did know some things that I, I give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But at one point they were talking about. Uh, Miller Genuine Draft beer, mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was uh, complaining about it, and he's like Miller, Miller Genuine Draft, like what what is that? It's in a can. Like why do they call it Miller Genuine Draft? It's like <laughs> if they, it's like if they had a beer that came from the draft and they call it, called it Miller Genuine Can. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? He said Miller Genuine Can, <laughs> which. I'm gonna definitely start calling that beer that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I actually noticed. I, I overheard them talking, and it was like it was like the second inning or whatever, and they were they were arguing about something innocuous, like you know, getting a hot dog or something. But the the guy was like, well, "We're gonna be leaving in 15 minutes." I yeah, was right. Like, are you right. really gonna go to a baseball game and leave after like two innings? But you know, you think a lot of people like Jeremy and I are pretty uh, compulsive about trying to see every pitch of a game, or at least being there for the for the first pitch, and then uh, you know, staying all the way through the game. But for sure. um, you know, a lot of people don't feel that way right no it's true and yeah the, you know people aren't as hardcore but that's yeah so they 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 showed that but the, the kid did know a couple things he did he cool. did because uh, i heard him i actually heard him mention uh yeah so they have so many however many runs hits and errors or whatever i was like okay so this guy's kind of paying attention a little bit yeah for um, sure for sure uh let's see we saw we saw journeyman chris volstead uh pitch three innings of yeah, relief former Ex- cub he, former marlin yeah yeah so actually he kind of saved uh the white Sox bullpen in that game so giolito was only able to go two but they were able to get Volstead was able to eat three innings um uh for the White Sox which which I'm sure you know saved their bullpen for for the next day even though they got blown out again on Sunday yeah he never he never put up numbers like that when he was starting a game I guess uh I don't know they maybe if they can tell him that it's the fourth inning and he's mopping up a 10 run deficit maybe he could become a key starter (laughs) and I'll add him to the list right Um, one thing that I wrote down was uh Trace Thompson um uh, walk-up music, in case anyone's interested. I wrote it down. It's uh, The name of his uh, walk-up song is called Why You Always Hatin' mm-hmm. by the artist YG. Mm-hmm. So just in case you're looking for that, uh, or just if you want a song like to you know play if you're having a party, you know, go ahead and go ahead to uh, iTunes and uh, get yourself Why You Always Hatin' by... YG. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm sure that Trace Thompson has a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder, being that he's the much less famous brother of uh, Clay Thompson, and so yeah, so it's right. like I wonder I wonder like how often they communicate about their respective like athletic careers or whatever. Right. It's like did like did Clay Thompson like text trace thompson like hey like awesome like solo home run in that like 10 to 1 game tonight or was he (laughs) in the playoffs for the warriors and just like not giving a shit about it at all yeah exactly i i like i like to think of them like at the dinner table like you know the parents are talking about it like oh so trace you know you're you know you got a nice uh single up the middle like that's nice Mm -hmm. clay Mm -hmm. what about you and he's like no no nothing you know whatever i'm just you know just playing the game whatever it's it's all right and like you know he's winning rings and stuff yeah yeah um and 
like, I wonder if the, how the parents like uh, decide which game they're going to go. It's probably almost almost always uh, uh, Clay's. Yeah, I would uh, think so. At least for the playoffs. Um, so yeah, uh, that was uh, that was interesting. And they they actually do. I feel like walk up music has become a, a bigger thing in the uh, you know the past couple of years for baseball. Uh, at least as far as like telling you what walk up music a certain guy has. I remember during a Cubs broadcast last year, they actually like put on the screen what a guy's walk up music is for. Yeah, uh, or, exactly. or what it was. I cannot stand. Uh, you're just going to have to add Ben Zobras and his wife uh, to the list. But <laughs> oh, I just no. cannot stand a neighbor that. of ours. I just cannot stand that Benny and the Jets uh, cover that his wife does. It sounds like she's uh, his, his. If you haven't heard it, you know uh, his wife just ca- <laughs> his wife just caterwauls her way through uh, <laughs> Benny and the Jets. It's, I just want to say, I do not. I, I do not. That the the uh, Jack Swakowski does not share the opinions of uh, Jerry Genicio. I'm a big Cubs fan. Ben, you're my neighbor. I love you. Is, is he? Does he live in Ravenswood? He he lives uh, nearby, and okay. I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast. No, well, yeah, you know, um, uh, I think Jake Arrieta lived in our hood too. If I'm not, true. if I'm not mistaken, my um, girlfriend saw him at uh, Marmalade uh, Breakfast uh, Cafe on uh, Damon and uh, Montrose once. Oh wow, wow! And actually, uh, also in our neighborhood is Bien Mesabe, a uh, Venezuelan oh. restaurant. Uh, that Willington Castillo has made famous for uh, frequenting. This is great. This is an unplanned uh, edition of the podcast. Uh-huh. So yes, Bien Me Sabe, uh, Wellington Castillo, and he brings all the other Venezuelan players there, and they all sign the back wall. So uh, definitely check that place out. If not, oh wait, we food. said we said Wellington Castillo. I think as we had him on oh, the brain. It's actually Wilson Contreras. Wilson, Con- Wilson Contreras. Yeah, 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 Wilson Contreras. Um, but so. Uh, yesterday, my girlfriend and I went uh, for lunch at uh, a Puerto Rican restaurant in, um, I guess it's Logan Square, uh-huh. um, over by Fullerton and uh, Western. It's called La Cocina Boricua. And uh, I walk in, and uh, on the wall is a picture, not of Javi Baez, Puerto Rican Javi Baez, but Wilson Contreras. Really? And Victor Caratini. Oh, so Victor is Victor Caratini Venezuelan as well? I don't. I think he's Puerto Rican. Actually, okay. I, I, I I apologize uh, uh, if I'm getting that wrong. Mm-hmm. But but uh, yeah, Contreras is is uh, is Venezuelan. But uh, you know, he's going around. And he's hitting all the good uh, food spots in town. Uh huh. Like this is my kind of guy. <laughs> this is this guy is awesome. He's great at baseball. He fires the ball down to first base and almost takes Rizzo's head off. And he knows where to get a good uh, Mexican or I'm sorry, a good. Uh, uh, Spanish dish around here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, Jeremy, uh, that this brings up an interesting point uh, that, um, you know, maybe like for our, uh, our you know, when, when we finish a podcast, on the next podcast, we should do a thing like a, a fact-checking thing, like everything we got wrong uh, yeah. from the, the podcast before. Yeah, uh, probably. Um, it, it'd be like, uh, you know, like at the end of PTI or whatever, except we won't have uh, uh, what's his stat face boy. from or, Yeah, Stat Boy from Around the Horn. I'm going to go ahead and correct myself, too, when I said Spanish. I meant Latin dish, and I probably that's probably not even right either uh but you know i'm i'm cool i'm i'm down but like you know i, I misspoke there so i just wanted to say <laughs> that i'll just correct myself i'll head it off at the pass um okay so uh so let's see here so the game the game was kind of a stinker the white Sox ended up getting swept in that series um uh, actually on the train ride home uh, a couple interesting <laughs> things uh we heard some folks uh across the aisle from us uh debating uh, whether uh, whether or not Ricky's so Ricky's boys don't quit supposedly, but they were debating whether or not Ricky's boys in that game possibly did quit, or if the team just had no talent. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was really decided, but I think that's certainly a question uh, that deserves asking. No, and I do think that they had contributed to the 
the beer fund at uh, <laughs> that night. But uh, they were they were talking hardcore baseball for sure. They were uh, so good for them. Um, before we walked out of the stadium, I I did want to make one observation about White Sox. So like, you know, it, it seems now teams have their song that they play at the end of games and everything, and you know the Cubs have the Go Cubs Go mm-hmm. uh, Steve uh, Goodman uh, song. Um, you know. Uh, uh, beloved song by Cubs fans. Um, I, you know, I used to think like one day the Cubs are going to win the World Series and they're going to play that song, and I it'll almost ruin the moment for me. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. I I can't stand that song. Um, you know, I I, I think I. I no one is speaking out about this song, but anyway, I digress. It's not, I, I, you know, it's there to stay, so whatever. Um, they won the World Series, it's fine. Um, but the White Sox play uh, Chicago. I don't even know what the the like official title of it is. Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, it's a, the, a Sinatra. Is it a Sinatra? It's Sinatra song? Yeah. I think, and I think it's Sinatra's version. Um, I don't know. Sinatra's before my time. I don't know much about him. I know that he, uh, you know, he, is it Mike? Is it my kind of town? Is that this? Did they play my no, kind of town? No, that's that's a different song. Okay, okay. Um, uh, but this one, like, I, I I'm not sure. You know, I. Listen, I think Frank was phoning it in for this song. Mm-hmm. This this song is, and again, I've not heard too many people talk about this either. But like, what what's going on with this song? Like, it's the most like uninspiring lyrics ever. Like, I feel like Chicago commissioned Frank Sinatra to write a song, and he took the money and ran, and then like <laughs> like wrote jotted down some lyrics like five minutes before he had to turn it in. So it's like Chicago, Chicago. It's my kind of town or something, and he's like Chicago, Chicago. I'll show you around. It's uh-huh. like, first of all, you're not from Chicago. He's a New York guy, yeah, right? So yeah. okay, so all right, he's gonna he's gonna show me around. Um, I'll show you around. Like that's it. Okay, and so but this is the worst part. Um, I he's like I we I had the time the time of my life. I saw a man. He danced with his wife. <laughs> what? That's the worst line of a song I've ever heard in my life. You saw a man dancing with his wife, and you thought it was worth singing about. I have to back away from the mic because I'm ranting. But like, that's the most like uh, uninspiring lyric I could think of. You saw a man dance with his wife. That's what you took away from Chicago. Well, I, f- I feel like this uh, this whole thing started when I, I don't remember them playing Sinatra before uh, Todd Frazier was on the team. So oh, I, I maybe. feel like maybe that got on it got on their radar then, and they've just played it ever since. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, some Sox fan will have to write in and say if they recall that one being like a long time staple but yeah it's always interesting what what songs they play uh at the end of games i I feel like i have heard uh in addition to go cubs go sometimes i think when the cubs lose maybe they play sweet home chicago oh Um, yeah yeah totally um also i remember when we jeremy and i went to a a tigers game at comerica uh last uh last year and i remember they played uh satis the the tigers lost that game and i remember they played satisfaction um by the rolling stones Um, oh at the end yeah yeah so like you know tigers fans didn't get any satisfaction from that game because yeah, they I guess lost. So I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, so I wonder what they uh, would play if they won. I don't know. But um yeah, I don't know. uh so yeah, so we uh so we we left the stadium. Uh we um we took the uh the red line uh <laughs> we took the red line home uh as we as we are wont to do um after a game. Um and you know the train the train is always packed even if it seems like uh there's only uh a, you know only 100 people left at the game. The train is always packed when we try to get on it. Yeah. And uh, there was a there was a guy on there um, just remarking to himself, um, uh, saying something to the effect of like, "Wow, this train looks like the pink line. The, the, this train looks like the purple line tonight." Yeah, yeah. And I think we were on the red line, and I think he was remarking of the uh, 
the general, the overwhelming uh, amount of, of uh, Caucasian people on the train. <laughs> it, it had to be. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, and I, I, I sympathize with the guy, you know, like they these people are taking over the train, I guess. You yeah. Know, it's I, hard to get a seat, you know. I mean, yeah, Sox fans just uh, after that game, it, it is hard to get a seat. It's cramped. Uh, but Jeremy and I were able to, we got a seat and Jeremy and I, uh, Jeremy turned on the uh, the end of the Cubs game as we as we sometimes do uh, as we're on our way home from the train. And, uh, you know, yeah, we made our, we made our way home and that was our that was our first uh that was our first game for the podcast yeah de- yeah definitely so um yeah you know we, we were able to, to uh scrounge some stuff up from like the 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 uh overheard in the crowd and stuff you know the game uh it was pretty cut and dry i think yeah the the after the um that grand slam it was pretty much just uh cruise control you know there's a couple little blips but um but yeah, but still, you know, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a Sox hater. Um, the the Cubs World Series has brought like a lot of peace to me um, in terms of like any sort of like rooting interest and everything. And so like I like to go to a Sox game and just enjoy it. And certainly that we can see a Major League Baseball game and it's, uh, you know, quite affordable. Um, but uh you know, ten to one. I I just I feel for the socks, but uh, it, it kind of amused me a little bit, a little bit. But it, it, it does. Uh, it, it, it oftentimes the socks. Jeremy and I have commented on this. Don't seem like a, 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 <laughs> a, we can just add every socks fan to the list here. Yep, but they just I'm don't right seem. Now. They just don't seem like a major league baseball franchise. Uh, part of yep. that might be due to the Vex uh, and just the 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 Bill Bill Vex uh, and his father, who um who always came up with all the crazy promotions. Uh, you know, long ago, and the Sox have sort of kept that tradition, and uh, it just makes it feel like a minor league game where there's just stuff going on uh, between innings, and every every night is some kind of promotional night. Um, right? Yeah, mullet night, Elvis night. I mean, these are, are these promote yeah. are these promotions that other people are having mullet night. I don't know. Halfway to Mardi Gras, um, <laughs> uh, but and I think they also do halfway to St. Patrick's Day too. But yeah. um, oh, yeah. uh, so uh, anyway, one one final thing I guess that that we noticed at the game was there's there's a bona beef. Uh, race where oh, they right. have uh, where they have Italian beef sandwiches uh, racing down the uh, the line and uh, that is a complete ripoff in my opinion <laughs> of the uh, Clements uh, or maybe now Johnsonville sausage race at the uh, Brewers games. It's yeah, it's true, it's true. I mean, they're not the first one to rip them off. I no, will, actually, the, the Nationals the Nationals did it better. I think they did. They have president president heads. They have or that. The, the the Texas Rangers have like famous Texas figures yeah. race. Yeah. Um, there's a couple. Um, the White Sox used to do uh, one where they would run. I think it was only on Sunday home games. They would have a race from the middle of center field. They'd open up this, the the gate, and like someone in like an old player like costume would race. So it was like I don't know Harold Baines versus Carlton Fisk or something. Mm-hmm. Like there was like four of them. But they would only do that on Sundays, and like that was kind of interesting uh, that they would run from home plate to like the mound or something. Oh wow! Um, but of course, there, I'm sure there's players out there like dodging like these nightmares and big costumes, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, I had one thing real quick. I'm going to shoehorn this in. Yeah. Um, we'll make it real quick. Um, I want to start some some running lists here. Um, you know, we have our the our, our uh, you know people that we've. Uh, offended list um but uh you know i in in other times when uh you know we have time i'd like to shoehorn a couple games here at the end like just some fun stuff um we'll we'll keep it real brief today um i had um i'm gonna make a start a list and i encourage you to do this too and anyone out any listeners if they want to do this and and send them into us uh iphone autocorrect 
uh, baseball iPhone autocorrect. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I find myself um, texting a lot of, uh, sending a lot of texts about baseball. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of the words uh, that are in uh, baseball vernacular are not, um, uh, you know, built into the uh, iPhone autocorrect. So they're always trying to autocorrect it to something else. So I'm going to give you a word. And I want you to guess. This one is going to be impossible to guess, but we'll get better ones for next time. But uh, the word that it autocorrected to was Vizio. Vizio, like the, I think that's a Sony brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vizio to you. So that's V-I, I think it's Z-I-O maybe? V-I-Z-I-O. Yeah, okay. have any guess what that could be I would baseball guess related? Vizkel? Not Vizcal, but you're close on a name. It was a name. Is it Vizcayeno? No, I'll tell you. Okay. Get off the V because that's throwing you off. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, 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 oh, man. Somebody. Uh, uh, Giolito. No, it's um, Basio. Basio. Vizio. Basio <laughs> corrects to Vizio. Okay. Um, which Vizio has no place being in there either. It has no less. It has just as much place being in there as, as Chris Basio. Yeah. But I wanted to uh, write that down because. Um, I was watching uh, MLB Network today, and they were showing highlights. I think it's the anniversary of Chris Basio's no hitter. Oh yeah, uh, yeah that he okay. threw when okay. he was like former Mar- uh, former Milwaukee. Yeah, brewer. he threw it while he was with the Mariners. Right? Threw it with the Mariners, okay. and um, I never noticed this, but um, on the last out of the game, first of all, it was actually really cool. Like Basio was kind of like grinning in his windup for his mm-hmm. like last pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about this. this. Was like '95, I think it happened. Okay, um, so you know, I was still a relatively young uh, sports fan, as, as as you were too, Jack. Mm-hmm. But um, he uh, hit a grounder up the middle, and uh, I think it was Vizquel, shortstop, made a really, like, an amazing one-hand, like, it was a chopper up the middle, and okay. it, A, could have went in for a base hit, B, the guy could have, like, beat it out for a hit, but Vizquel made this amazing, like, no, like barehanded grab up the middle and fired it in, and they got the last out. Oh, so it was a very unlikely play. Yeah, um, it was, a, it was like, a really great play. Um, Vizquel may have been on the Indians at that point, okay, um, if so, it was the Mariners. Yeah, I wonder who the shortstop is who made Maybe it was Vizquel. Maybe he was on the, the Mariners at that point. Yeah, um, but I'll, yeah, we'll have to look that up. I, I should know that, but... I didn't know it was such a dramatic uh, play. Me, me neither. And, like, you know, there's there's these plays, like, uh, Steven Souza had that great diving stop to to get to save uh, Jordan Zimmerman's no-hitter a couple years ago. Sure, and there's the catch at... Uh, uh, US the catch, uh, uh, Dwayne Wise. Yeah, Dwayne Wise. Um, yeah. But uh, this was like, you know, it's an unlikely because it was an infield uh, play, but mm-hmm. it was a really great play. I never realized that before. So, uh, yeah, go and check that out. Check that play out or whatever. And, you know, just uh, some programming notes. Um, we're going to try to do a couple things. Um, we're going to uh, start uh, an Instagram page and like a Facebook page and stuff like that and uh, and a Twitter and all, whatever, all that stuff. And um, so we'll we'll try to uh, post links to things we talked about. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll post a link to that uh, to that no hitter. But, uh, you know, you can certainly Google it and find it. Um, uh, we'll have some pictures uh, from the game, uh, including our, our our nice view uh, towards the end of the <laughs> which we didn't get into. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we had quite a view there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, unfortunately, it seems like we were uh, probably running short on time. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, so we're we're gonna wrap this one up. But we want to thank everybody for listening. Jeremy and I don't know what the next game we're gonna go to is. It'll be within the next couple weeks though, and we're gonna get an, we're gonna uh, lay another one of these down. Yeah. Maybe we'll tack it on at the end of this episode. So keep listening. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, well. Well. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we will see you next time. All right. See ya. 
Hey everybody, this is Jeremy just checking in with a little update. We set a date for our second game that we're going to be talking about, and that is going to be Monday, May 7th, Miami Marlins at Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. So we're going to go to that game and uh, record a podcast right after and get that episode out to you ASAP. So look for that um, shortly after May 7th. Um, in the meantime, we, uh, got it together and recorded a mini-sode of sorts. Uh, so that'll be episode two of Rain Delay Theater. And that one should be coming out, uh, pretty shortly after you're listening to this one. So, uh, look out for that one. Um, we're in the process of getting on iTunes and all that stuff. But, uh, in the meantime, we have a website. It is raindelaytheater.com. That's raindelaytheater.com. And we also have um, an Instagram and a Twitter, which is Rain Delay Pod. So uh, you can find us at all of that stuff. Um, the Instagram should have some photos from our uh, Astros White Sox outing. And, um, you know, we'll be uh, updating those uh, when we're at games, uh, posting pictures and stuff like that. Um, maybe doing some live broadcasts and stuff. So definitely check that out. Uh, but in the meantime, um, uh, Rain Delay Theater. Dot com is the place to get our podcasts, and um, we'll be updating on those uh, sites to let you know when we are on iTunes. All right, thank you so much for listening, guys, and um, we'll catch you with episode two coming up.